Hello, and welcome to Edible Ocean Podcast. For those who are just catching up now, check out our previous episodes. There's three of them, so this is our fourth one, and the second in what is turning into a bit of a series on seafood certification programs. So last time we had Mike McDermott from OceanWise, and this time we welcome Curtis Hain, who is the Canada Program Director for the Marine Stewardship Council. You probably have seen their logo on fish at the grocery store. It's the blue one with the little white fish and the letters MSC. Curtis is here to tell us all about MSC's efforts to make sustainable choices more available and to answer Professor Tony's questions about how certification and tracing programs help support our oceans. Welcome to the podcast, Curtis. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Tony. I'm pleased to be here. Well, our pleasure. Uh, well, let me just start, Curtis, with noting that seafood certification programs have become really a leading mechanism in the global quest to move the seafood industry in a more sustainable direction in light of the what are really disturbing declines in many marine species we take for food around the world. I note that uh, in a 2017 report, the Food and Agriculture Organization, the FAO, indicated that some 34% of fish stocks globally were being fished at a biologically unsustainable level. So, the Marine Stewardship Council, or MSC, uh, established by was established by the World Wildlife Fund and Unilever in 1997, right? And is among the first of these certification programs and arguably the most important operating today. So uh, I'm just wondering if you can provide us with a brief background to the MSC, what it was established to do and why it's necessary, and maybe just a brief summary of what it achieved globally to date for a general audience. Sure. Thanks, Tony. So as you said, we were founded about, well, over 25 years ago now. And there was a certain, a few different things that kind of catalyzed our formation. Um, one of them being the, the collapse of cod um, off of Newfoundland on the Grand Banks. Um, obviously, that had devastating consequences, not only for the cod stock, but the surrounding livelihoods, um, that fish being used for, for, for food. Um, but at that time, there was also trends more globally about um, increasing overfishing. And you talked about the FAO stats um, behind that, um, what we've been seeing is a worsening trend um, every time they do the uh, FAO SOFIA report of increasing overfishing. So that's really a trend we as an organization um, need to stop. Um, our mission at its core is to reverse overfishing and transform the seafood and fishery sector to a sustainable basis. And what that does is ensures that fisheries can remain healthy and productive for generations to come. That's that's our core mission as an organization. And I have to thank you. Thank you for um, mentioning uh, we're one of the most important actors um, in this space. We work really hard and go to extreme lengths to ensure the credibility of our program. But first and foremost, that we can demonstrate positive impacts on the water through our activities. Um, so that, that, that uh, means a lot. The MSC has, we're a, a certification organization. So with that, we're a standard holder. Um, and we have two standards, our, our fishery standard, which is a measure for environmentally sustainable fisheries. Um, and I'm going to touch on this at a very high level um, because the, the actual programmatic documents are hundreds of pages long. But what, what that means is that any fishery that's certified against our standard um, needs to be audited by a third party. Um, and the audit process is completely transparent, is open to all stakeholders, and they need to actively demonstrate annually that they're um, sustainable and they're remaining sustainable. 
They look at things like, are they minimizing their impact on uh, habitats, ecosystems, and bycatch species? Um, is that fishery effectively managed? Um, so fisheries are very difficult to manage in that it's not like counting trees. Um, they're under the water, you can't see them, um, and you can't collect data um, often on an ongoing basis. So we have to be responsive to changes in the environment, which are becoming all too common. Um, and another standard we have is a chain of custody standard. And the basis of that is whenever our eco-label is used, um, we want strong assurance that, that uh, we can ensure that, that that seafood product is coming from one of our certified fisheries. And it's required by anyone handling, buying any of that seafood up until the time it gets into that uh, either a package with the eco-label on it, so our MSC Bluefish lo logo, or a restaurant or food service provider um, is selling it. Our program is voluntary, so anyone um, choosing to become a commercial partner with Chain of Custody or selling certified products or fishery coming in does so on their own cost, so they have to hire third-party auditors. Um, so that Chain of Custody is really important in that we're ensuring that um, the, the benefits of our program um, are being driven back to that fishery that's choosing to invest in certification. Um, it also protects buyers and consumers from greenwashing, um, seafood fraud, seafood substitution, which is all too prevalent right now. Why is this all important? It's because seafood is critically important. It's important for uh, food security. Billions of people rely on it as their primary source of protein. The challenge we face is that we've got a growing global population. Seafood demand is estimated to double by 2050. Um, so to ensure that we're feeding the world while not undermining our planet, we have to learn to fish sustainably um, and more fisheries have to be driving towards sustainability. Um, our own research shows that if all fisheries were fished sustainably, we could feed 72 mil more million people um, with all of their protein needs from fish. So that's the core of our organization. We're about conservation of the oceans. We're about conservation of biodiversity. But then we're also about um, conserving livelihoods that are directly dependent on blue foods and wild seafood. Um, so that's our, our mantra as an organization. Um, and I'll touch really quickly on the achievements. And this is the most important to us as an organization and certification um, is that we're making positive impact on the water. Um, we have a goal by 2030 to engage with 30% of wild fisheries. I think that's an ambitious goal. Um, fisheries um, and seafood supply chains are incredibly complex, so it takes a lot of work to create systems to engage them. We're at about 19% of fisheries engaged in our program right now, so we're working towards 30. And um, in the markets, we've got over 20,000 products worldwide for consumers uh, with the blue MSC logo on it. And so that's important because they can actually find sustainable seafood. They want to make a, a meaningful difference and contribute to change so they can find it in many countries around the world. And lastly, in engagement of these fisheries, we monitor through certification processes that, that we're able to affect. And we've, we've measured over 2,000 changes that we can directly demonstrate just to fisheries maintaining their certification. And likely there's a lot more improvements that happen in preparation and elsewhere. Um, so we're really proud of those achievements um, because we can show that we're directly um, contributing to ocean health, protecting biodiversity, um, contributing to livelihoods and food security. Oh, thank you. That's a very good explanation. Uh, I think we really get into some of the issues here. Uh, I just want to go back a bit. Uh, you talked about this chain of custody. So essentially, we're talking about a, a paper trail, right? Can you just shed a bit more light on that? Because um, in the in an era we live in now with, with a certain amount of mislabeling of seafood and fraud and so on, things going on, uh, this seems to be rather important. Yeah, it is very important. 
and you're correct, chain of custody is, is basically trace, traceability audits within the supply chain. Seafood is the most widely traded food commodity globally, um, and supply chains can be very complex. Canadian fisheries can end up going overseas for processing and then going elsewhere. Um, so seafood can change hands a lot of time um, through that um, process. We're working um, with the fisheries directly, to, um, and they're coming into our program. They're investing in sustainability. Um, so we want that strong assurance that a consumer picking up a product with our eco-label, it's from a certified fishery, and it's free from mislabeling. It's free from greenwashing. Um, so as I mentioned, anyone who owns a seafood product, before it gets put in that consumer-ready tamper-proof package, needs to be audited annually for traceability uh, systems. Um, and what that does is they're looking at chain of custody. It's basically a one-up, one-down system to ensure that um, if, they're, if they're selling something onward as MSC, they can prove with through their own traceability systems that that product um, was bought as MSC. And if you do that all along the supply chain, um, you can um, have that that assurance. And it's it's unique to the MSC for wild seafood. Uh, there's another sister organization we've developed and we maintain our chain of custody standard, which um, all of these companies are audited against. Uh, we have uh, another organization that also uses the Aquaculture Stewardship Council who deals with responsibly farm seafood. Um, so they use it, but it's a unique feature to the MSC program. And as I mentioned, it really does a few things. Um, it ensures the hard work that the fisheries are doing is rewarded um, through our theory of change. Those benefits are back. Um, that's important for making the cost-benefit analysis to their investment in sustainability. And it makes sure that seafood is free of greenwashing, mislabeling, um, and consumers can have confidence. Really, as an organization, underpins our theory of change. It underpins our impacts. Um, but most of all, without it, we'd be operating on an honor system that really can't be substantiated, let alone measured. Um, so it really underpins all of our effectiveness as an organization. Uh, thanks for that explanation. That was quite clear. I think I just note to listeners that your label on seafood is a, like a, a blue label with MSC on it. It's on a fish, right? Is that not correct? Yeah, it's an MSC Bluefish logo. And I mean, if your listeners are le interested in learning more, the website's always a good place to start, msc.org. You'll see the label at the top. Or we're active on social media. A big part of is influencing consumers and educating them. So thank you, Tony. Okay, well, we'll get back to that educating consumers bit in a minute. I wonder now if you could just talk a little bit about the MSC in Canada. What has it accomplished so far in the Canadian context, would you say? As I mentioned, our organization's over 25 years old. Um, a lot of that beginning was building our standards and building the processes on a kind of multi-stakeholder basis. Our history in Canada isn't quite that old, um, but it goes back a long way. The first fishery in Canada was certified in 2008. It was a northern prawn fishery on the East Coast. Our first West Coast fishery was certified in 2009. It was the BC halibut fishery. But in reality, the work on those fisheries to, to work towards certification happened way before that date um, because it takes a lot of effort and preparation by these um, fisheries to meet the high bar of our standard. Since then, we've got fisheries across all three of our oceans. Um, we've got fisheries in the Great Lakes, freshwater fisheries, and we've even got ice fisheries um, on lakes in Manitoba. Um, so we've expanded quite a bit. Um, we're now at about 31 fisheries across Canada. I mean, that accounts for about 63% of all of the total wild seafood landings. So putting that in a global context, as I mentioned, we're at about 19% globally. Um, so Canada is actually a leader in certification globally. They're within the top three in terms of percentage coverage. And really, again, as an organization, what really matters to us is uh, long and enduring um, 
sustainability on the water and on the water improvements. Um, we've been doing some data. Some of this isn't released yet. You'll, we're releasing a report later this year on the history of um, MSC in Canada, what we've accomplished. And in that, we've, we've shown that we can pull out of the certification processes and audits um, over 150 improvements that have happened across um, MSC certified fisheries and just maintaining their certification. Um, so fisheries need to actively maintain their certification. They need to continually move towards best practice. Um, so we can catalog 150 improvements. There's a lot of good stories we can tell in things that have happened through collaboration with stakeholders, industry, academia, DFO. We've been largely successful. And I want to touch a little bit on the commercial success as well, um, because that's really important. It drives the cost benefit back. Um, right now in Canada, there's over 2,200 companies across the Canada, uh, across the country that are certified against their uh, chain of custody standard or sites, sorry. There's about 450 products that are available in Canada to consumers across uh, fresh, frozen, canned, um, in food service providers. Um, and Canadians themselves have almost doubled their certified seafood, certified sustainable seafood purchases in the last three years. Um, so that's really heartening to me. And it tells me the message that consumers are um, looking to buy more certified seafood. They're, they're hoping um, and acting more like conscious consumers and making that change. But we've also got a really strong network of collaborators and partners across the country. We're nothing without all of our partners, our fishery partners, supply chain partners. We've got major partners like Loblaws, um, who's leading the way in terms of sustainable seafood. Um, major brands like Ocean Brands and Highliner that are really pushing towards sustainability and making the choice to sell more uh, sustainable seafood. Really, we have had a lot of success. There's always more work to do, though. Okay, well, thank you uh, for giving us sort of the lay of the land in that regard. Maybe just to continue uh, on in the Canadian context, I'm wondering what you would say some of the biggest issues that you're facing at the MSC in in the context of Canada and how that, uh, you know, is related to where you see the organization in Canada going in the future. Yeah, and I think I just touched on it just before, Tony, and there's always more work to do. Um, we're at 63% by landings, but if you look by number of fisheries in Canada, um, there's a lot more fisheries we, we're continuing to work to engage. And we, in how we operate is we have people that work with the supply chain partners and provide them support where to find sustainable seafood. Uh, we're also working directly with any fishery that wants to come, with, come towards and say, hey, we want to work towards sustainability. Can you help us? We, we try and help as many fisheries in Canada as we can on pathways towards sustainability, even if they aren't near to meeting sustainability. Um, so that's what we have to do is just reach more fisheries and help them. As I said, our bar is a high bar and built into our standard, we revise our sustainable fishery standard every five years. And that's very purposeful because um, best practice in, in sustainability and management of fisheries evolves over time as technology advances, as management advances. So every five years, we revise our standard to track with um, where we think widely accepted worldwide best practice for sustainability is. And that's that's a very good thing. Um, it keeps um, all of our engaged fisheries to a high count. They can demonstrate their meeting best practice globally. Um, but for fisheries not, that haven't met our standard, at times we hear that they're chasing an ever rising bar. Um, so really we're, we're going to be focusing more on the pre-certification space over the next little bit. Um, and what that means is helping those fisheries on pathways. We have a few exciting projects launching on really helping build capacity and build um, knowledge of fisheries across Canada. Um, one of them is going to center on 
um, indigenous and lake fisheries within, in across Manitoba. And this is, again, uh, just the importance of seafood. I spent a lot of time in Manitoba. Um, you go to these remote lakes and without fishing, it's, it's the backbone of all of these communities. And um, it's without fishing, the store will die in town. It's the, it's the only source of non-government income in these communities. And without it, recreation dies. The community suffers. So protecting those fisheries and making sure they're sustainable is really important to these communities. We just have to provide capacity and pathways for them to be able to make those, those choices and build their fisheries sustainable. Um, so it's it's really important. It's reaching more fisheries. It's working on accessibility. It's working on enhancing the value we can provide to sustainable fisheries. Because again, it's a cost-benefit analysis. We have to drive incentives back to get them to invest in sustainability. And I think the last thing you'll see as an organization, and this is broadly globally, um, most of our operating expenses are through our eco-label. We collect royalties on people choosing to put that eco-label on again, completely voluntarily. We're going to start reinvesting that into projects and research. Um, it's called the Ocean Stewardship Fund. We're continually trying to grow ourselves as a, as a funder of projects that contribute to sustainability of, of wild fisheries uh, globally. Um, so there's lots more work to do, reach more fisheries, reach more people. Um, and as a nonprofit, um, it's uh, we're always tight on capacity and time and everything else, um, but we, we're really trying to reach um, all of the people across Canada to create these pathways towards sustainability. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, it's very interesting what you had to say about the inland fisheries. Uh, I was not uh, really aware of what was going on in that context. Well, let me just um, move on to another issue, uh, one that's sort of closer to my heart, too, because given some of the research that, uh, that I've done and studies that I've done, uh, one of the key issues identified in the literature on sustainable seafood programs is consumers' understanding and engagement with sustainably uh, sourced seafood. We conducted a study recently, and elsewhere in the world as well, studies have shown that citizens generally have a very limited knowledge of certification programs and even less understanding of, of really what they mean, what they're all about, and so on. This is like 25 years after the MSC and other programs have been founded, so... Uh, if we hope that there will be an increase in the uptake of sustainable source seafood, and I'm glad to hear that apparently there has been, and so that's that's heartening, but I think we have a long way to go. So presumably this rather limited understanding and, and knowledge about uh, the certification programs has to change. So I'm wondering, what has MSC done to, to change this more recently, and, and what must it do, in your opinion, to turn this around? Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you, Tony. It's going to be really essential um, to engage consumers, build awareness, build understanding um, to keep all of this going. Consumers um, and people make in their day-to-day purchase have a really large collective impact um, on driving sustainability agendas. What we're seeing is consumers are increasing, uh, so they're becoming what we call more conscious consumers. And I think all of us are faced with this. We see environmental change more commonly firsthand. And we're seeing some of the issues as they rise up, climate change and the effects that has on our oceans and just day-to-day life and weather patterns. So we're much more cognizant of environmental issues than ever before. And what we're finding is consumers are more willing um, to make day-to-day choices that have a positive effect on the planet. From I mentioned the long history we had in Canada, but quite admittedly, 
as an organization, for the first many years, we were focused on building credible, durable systems. Uh, and that took a lot of time. It's a multi-stakeholder process, developing these fishery standards and maintaining them and making sure we have a system that can be trusted and has strong assurance behind it was our, was our key focus. Um, and it was effective in really engaging uh, businesses and, and fisheries to get us started. Um, in Canada, we've really only started trying and actually seriously investing in consumer education and awareness in the last five or so years. Um, the previous part of that was just building these programs, reaching fisheries, and because that's where the direct, more tangible um, change can happen. But I completely agree with you um, in that we need to reach consumers. And again, it's back to that cost-benefit analysis. Consumers, at the end of the day, they're the ones buying seafood, and they're the ones uh, choosing what seafood they buy. So if they're not choosing and preferentially choosing sustainable seafood, they don't understand what's behind a certification organization. They don't know the differences where we see this proliferation of labels across all different products, not seafood. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there's not an understanding behind it. Um, what I tell your listeners is if you want to become more informed, you, if you see an eco-label, you should do one of two things. You should be looking and seeing is, is that a third-party verification or is it a self-claim? Um, because we also see brands or um, other things putting on their own self-claim and saying, hey, we're sustainable. Um, you should be preferentially looking for third-party verifications or endorsements. And certifications um, tend to provide the highest assurance and higher, highest um, kind of bar for sustainability in terms of uh, just assurance and verification and process behind it. And um, the second question all consumers should be asking is, does whatever that label, if it's third-party verified, um, can they prove the impacts um, that they're setting out to do? Um, are they achieving their mission? Um, and you could go to their website, any credible organization to be listing the impacts that they're providing. Um, and if they align with you from a values pr perspective, if your ethics or um, your sustainability values, then that's a brand or product you should be supporting um, through day-to-day -day purchases. With this the shift in focus, and I wouldn't say it's it's been a, a sudden shift. It's been a slow shift, but we're investing in growing consumer awareness. In the last, um, since 2016, we've doubled consumer awareness of the Ecolabel in Canada. Awareness um, has remained relatively flat, so that's going to be our next uh, challenge. I think consumers see the Ecolabel, they understand it's a good thing, but we're working hard to, to um, not only differentiate ourselves from from other eco-labels or, or less credible self-claims, um, they have to understand what's behind it. They have to understand the impacts. They have to understand the issues facing our oceans. So that's where we're going to be focused on in the next little bit. We're, we're constantly active here on social media um, through through our partners. It's part of why I'm doing this podcast right now. It's, it's, it's being able to educate your listeners. We have a, a campaign active right now for Earth Month. We'll have another one for World Oceans Day. And we're just going to be doing more uh, consumer education PR, just talking to more people about what are the issues facing our oceans? What can they do about it in their day-to-day -day life? And just really empowering consumers to make positive change. Uh, we talk a lot about the doom and gloom, but there are positive effects just through voting with your wallet that collectively all Canadians can do. It makes a huge impact. I can see it directly in the water. Um, is consumers shifting towards more sustainable practices? Then all of a sudden we see um, companies coming out where sustainability is the core of their value proposition to their consumers. And then the next step is those purveyors and people um, providing them products to actually sell. They're moving towards sustainability. So that's, again, really our theory of change. At the top of it 
is always consumers choosing to preferentially source certified seafood. And that lets us work on the water and that lets us affect positive change. Yeah, well, um, as you were talking, I was just thinking uh, in our research, uh, we're in the supermarkets and well, the, the information available to the consumer when they go in, they want to make a purchase, they have limited time and so on. And there isn't much of information, if any, in supermarkets in Canada about certified sustainable seafood. So I have a, a couple of questions around that. One is, is there some way we can motivate supermarket chain chains in Canada to actually assist you in educating the consumer around this at the point of sale, that is, in the supermarket? And the second part of this question is, there are certain populations that are particularly high consumers of seafood, and I'm thinking Asian Canadian populations. From what I have seen in stores that cater to those consumers, the, you know, the, there's not a high visibility of eco-label seafood generally. So I'm wondering in, in those specific supermarket environments, is there not more that you could do? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think you're right in that the most obvious place to educate consumers is when they're making that purchase decision, because that's when they're faced with that choice. Do I buy something with an eco-label that I can trust? Or what is that eco-label that I'm seeing on the shelf? So we give these toolkits to all of our partners um, that use the eco-label anywhere. And it's it's things like shelf talkers. It's it's educational material they can put on shelves. What I what else I think I'll say is I think that will come. And I think more more retailers are putting sustainability and CSR and achieving uh, things like the sustainable development goals at the core of their business. And the more retailers do that, um, the more willing they are to actually talk about what they're doing, educate uh, consumers about some of the eco-labels they might be selling in store. So I'm thinking that um, some of this will be coming in the near future. We're working really hard on incentivizing it. I think the thing is a lot of these supermarkets have so many different things they want to talk about. They want to talk about plastics. They want to talk about greenhouse gases. They want to talk about a sustainable seafood. So where do they start in talking to their consumers? I think the way to do it is that the trust their consumers get when they're going in the store is not about any one of those things. It's about what they do as a culmination. Consumers are becoming ever more discerning when they walk into a store. They don't want to be told, hey, yeah, we're good. Um, they want to know the underlying mechanisms and actions these retailers are taking. Um, towards ensuring that they are sustainable. And sustainable seafood is a big, big piece of that. Um, so I think that kind of answers your first question, the challenge we face. And it's something as an organization we want to influence our partners to do as much as possible. Right now, again, being a voluntary program, we give them the tools um, that they could do. And any retailer that comes to us, we will support them to do point of sale messaging how to cater that messaging to resonate with consumers, um, those sorts of things, because I, I think you're right, that's critically important at that point of sale. The second part is we also tend to be quite sophisticated in where uh, we're trying to talk to consumers. We, we conduct a biannual survey of just consumer preferences around sustainability, but then also consumer preferences on, on seafood purchase. And what we're seeing is this growing awareness around environmental issues, overfishing, um, ocean plastics, all of these different issues that are permeating consumer psyche when they're trying to choose products. As I said, awareness remains flat, um, but what it helps us do is target our information towards people already making a seafood choice. So we cater all of our messaging. You talked about people that are eating more seafood, and there's certain segments of the population that are increasing their seafood consumption. 
um, they're choosing to eat less red meat and eat more seafood because they see that as a, as a protein category, as a more planet-friendly protein. Um, so this Earth Month, we're going to be talking about, it's going to be a positive message, it's going to be talking about seafood as a category being a planet-friendly protein, but make sure you're choosing certified seafood. Um, so we do really try and target our, our messaging to people that are consuming seafood because they're the ones that are best able to affect this change if they're making their choices, if they're eating a lot of seafood. Um, so yeah, there are certain segments of the market um, that are eating more seafood. We're thinking that the younger generation coming up is actually probably going to start increasing seafood consumption just due to environmental issues, which people are becoming more conscious of. But again, um, with increasing seafood consumption, that's where sustainability becomes really important. The pressure on our oceans just due to environmental changes is increasing. Um, you asked earlier about challenges facing Canada, one that all of our oceans are facing is just environmental change. I, I miss talking about it. Climate change is really stressing our ability um, to maintain fisheries as sustainable. Fish don't know borders. They're moving beyond borders, which takes international collaboration to manage. And ecosystems are changing. So we uh, sustainable fisheries are more able to adapt to environmental change like climate change. So we have to make make sure that people are choosing sustainable seafood. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, a lot of good messages there. I think we're we're kind of running out of time here. Um, so I'd just like to give you a chance. Is there anything as we sort of wrap it up uh, you'd like to add um, in terms of our understanding of the MSC, its role in uh, ensuring uh, seafood is sustainably caught and so on in the future. Anything else you'd like to add, Curtis? I think there's a couple things. One, I'll, I'll focus on MSC, and one, I'm going to focus more broadly um, across the oceans. Uh, I mean, you can hear in my voice sometimes there's urgency in what we're dealing with. We talked about biodiversity loss. Um, we talked about increasing trends of overfishing. At the same time, there is hope. We're seeing trends like increasing consumer awareness around sustainable seafood. But we're also seeing, I think with some of this increased urgency, just greater international collaboration on this. Again, our oceans span the entire globe. Um, so I talked a lot about Canada today, but what we have to do and what we try to do as an organization globally through all of our work and all of the countries we work in is galvanize global support for sustainable fisheries. I was just at COP15, which took place in Montreal in December, and they were building out the global biodiversity framework. And this, if, if you haven't seen these processes before, it's like a massive group project. There's over 200 countries working on this document, which is essentially the, um, the work plan towards protecting biodiversity, while at the same time ensuring sustainable use of biodiversity. Um, and there's these two, 200 countries painstakingly going through this framework word by word in a track changes document that's in, in, uh, up on a screen. At the end of that conference, they, they, they got finalization. They finalized that uh, global biodiversity framework across over 200 countries. Um, so that's a huge accomplishment in terms of just international collaboration. Um, and I was heartened to see MSC is one of the key indicators in, in that global biodiversity framework for protecting wild species, but then also um, deriving benefits from wild species back to uh, just local communities. So I was heartened to see that. Another one we just just recently was um, galvanization around um, a high seas treaty. And this was over two decades in, in the making. And if ratified again, um, should protect global bio or oceans biodiversity and also protect sustainable use on the high seas. The challenge of our oceans is it's it's vast, they're broad. There's there's high seas fishing, which are outside um, the designation of any one country, so it takes international right. collaboration. We're starting to see this. And bringing it back to MSC, 
how I like to think about it is we're at a bit of a, a tip of the iceberg of all of the work that happens. Certification is high bar, the high levels of assurance, chain of custody, and it's an important tip of the iceberg. Um, like we talked about the impacts we're able to um, catalyze, but underneath that is, is a whole bunch of people working collaboratively, other NGOs, academics, probably a lot of people you have on your, on your podcast in the future, um, just people that are truly concerned about ocean issues. And it takes a lot of collaboration across all of these fisheries because again, they're so vast they're so diverse. It takes a broad swath of approaches and, and um, just expertise to truly create the broad scale of uh, change we need to see in our oceans. Um, so there is MSC, but there's also a lot of other organizations working and people working on some of this stuff, um, pushing fisheries towards certification, creating those pathways. It's not us alone. Um, so there is hope. Um, I'm somewhat heartened to see this galvanization globally around some of these urgent issues. I think we've got also in the face of urgency, some, some positive trends and things to look forward to and some, some hope to, to derive from all of this. Well, thank you, Curtis. That's a good note to end uh, this episode on. I want to uh, thank you again for uh, being on Edible Ocean and uh, hopefully maybe we can be in touch uh, around issues and check back with you in the future. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Edible Ocean Podcast. Tony Winson hosted and did the recruiting for the interviews. I'm Edith Wilson, Tony's audio and production assistant. I also manage our Instagram. Follow us at edibleocean underscore podcast. Follow Professor Tony on Twitter at Industrial Diet. This podcast was made with support from the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada.